the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of the Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Kingdom Addict. Kingdom Addict. Wonderful. It's great to be with you tonight and to fellowship with you in God's Word. It's always a delight and a joy to come your way and share fellowship with you in the living word of God that has capacity to change our lives. The Bible says that we, we should lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and we should receive with meekness the engrafted word of God which is able to save our souls. God's word has power and has the capacity and the ability to do many things. When we receive them well and when we receive it well and we apply it in the areas that matters most. Please bow down your heads even as we get into prayer. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us tonight. I want you to pray for a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. That this broadcast will be a blessing to you. That your time spent in the word of God shall not be in vain. That you profit by the word of God. You receive great profit from the word of God tonight. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We bless you. We give you praise. We honor you for this time of fellowship. Spirit of God, have your way. Grant us understanding. Help us to profit by your word. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews 4.2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And so in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come into agreement. I come to agreement with every viewer, everyone that is hooked onto this broadcast now, or maybe watching it thereafter, are coming into agreement with them and we pray, we declare by faith that your word coming our way will profit us. Thank you that our lives are changed, our lives are upgraded, our lives are transformed by the power of your word. Thank you, Spirit of God, for your assistance. Thank you for clarity of thought. Thank you for clarity of speech. Thank you for revelation and understanding. In Jesus' much less name, amen. Once again, thank you for being part of our service tonight. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 is a place we've been studying and we've been focusing on for the past weeks. We started, we said, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. He said, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. I'm sure by now that is almost becoming a memory verse for you, even following the series closely. Be ye therefore followers of God. So, we started teaching from a broad title called Followers of God. And within that, we looked at, are you a fan or a follower? Then, we zoom in into who is a fan and who is a follower. Now, we are presently on followers and we are looking at attributes of true followers. True followers of God can always be distinguished from false followers of God. 
In the Bible, there are false teachers and there are true teachers. There are false brethren and there are false uh, true brethren. So, in every sphere, it's two of, almost two of every kind. But the Bible says we shall know them by their fruit. So, if you are a true follower of God, there are certain fruits that are expected to be seen in your life that distinguishes you from anybody who is a fan. And basically, we're looking at some of such attributes. Last week, we realized that Jesus separated the multitudes from the disciples. He constrained the disciples and sent the multitudes away. And we said that constrain, to constrain means to compel. To constrain means to force. When the disciples didn't want to do certain things, Jesus forced them to do it. Why? Because he realized that they were true followers. And last week, we started by looking at the first attribute of true followers. We said that true followers are decisive. True followers are decisive. You can become a disciple of Christ. You can become a follower of Christ without taking a decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. The first decision that true followers of God make is a decision to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. Followership of Christ begins when Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior. Until he's your Lord, you can't claim to be his follower. Tonight, is Jesus your Lord? Is he your Lord in your finances? Is he your Lord in your business? Is he your Lord in your relationships? Are there things going on in the relationship? Are they honoring him? Because when he is Lord, then he gets the honor, he gets the glory for every action you take. The Bible says, whatsoever we do, we should do it all to the glory of God. So when God is our Lord, or when Jesus becomes our Lord, our ultimate objective, our drive, our greatest motivation is to bring him glory and honor. So when Jesus is truly your Lord, you seek to bring him glory and honor. So the first decision, the first D, which we looked at last week, is the fact that you have to be decisive. If you are going to be a disciple of Christ, you have to take a decision. You have to be decisive. Daniel purpose in his heart, Daniel 1.8, that he will not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. It was a decision of his will. The Bible says a double-minded person is unstable in all his ways. To go far with God, we need to be certain about our relationship with God. We need to be certain about where we stand with God. We need to be certain about our values as Christians. That's where it starts from. So true followers are decisive. Number two, which is what we are looking at tonight. The second D is the fact that true followers are deep. True followers are deep. Psalm 42 verse 7. He said, deep call it unto the deep. At the, at the noise of thy waters was all thy waves and thy billows have gone over me. Deep call it unto the deep. Psalm 107 verse 23 to 24. I like that scripture so much. In the New King James Version, he said, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of God and his wonders in the deep. Those who do business, who go down to the sea in ships, and who do business on great waters, they see the works of God and his wonders in the deep. It said that fishermen have usually on the sea, they see a lot of things they can't talk about. And that's about the same thing the scripture is talking about here. He said those who do business in great waters, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business in great waters, talking about the sea, they see the works of God and his wonders in the deep. I realize that almost every Christian wants to see the wonders of God. We are excited when we hear about the testimonies of other believers. 
We want to see God do amazing things in our lives. We want to see God use us to heal the sick, cast out devils, and cleanse the lepers. We want to see God move mightily in our finances, in our families, in many things, in every area of our lives. Every time I meet genuine Christians, you see that their hunger is up. They want more and more of God. But the truth of the matter is that we live in a generation where a lot of people too are very shallow. We want the best of God, but we want it at the shore. But if we must get the best of God, then we need to get into the deepest part of the ocean. You remember when Jesus was with uh, Peter the last time, he told him, launch out into the deep. Peter said, I've done all that I know to do. He said, well, you have not gone into the deep yet. And when he launched out into the deep, everything he was looking for was in there. May I submit to you tonight that whatever you are looking for in God, if you take a decision to go deep with God, to get into a deeper walk with God, therein lies the best of God. He said, those who go down to the sea in ships and do business in great waters, these are they who see the works of God and his wonders in the deep. The wonders of God are reserved for those who will go into the deepest part of God. And I pray you'll make a quality decision that in your walk with God, as a follower of God, you will not be a shallow type. May you become a deep one. Please understand me tonight that the call to follow Jesus is a call into intimacy. When I talk about deep, I'm simply talking about intimacy. I'm talking about getting close. I'm talking about becoming one with Christ. I'm talking about becoming one in mind, in thought. The Bible says, for your ways are not my ways, neither are my thoughts like your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your weights and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, we have to identify with the thoughts of God in order to walk in the ways of God. And when we are in the deep, you know, when a couple are deeply in love and uh, they have allowed themselves to become very intimate, sometimes whatever one is thinking, the moment the person expresses it, you begin to see that, the other person, the, the spouse will also say, oh, I just thought about the same thing. It's because they are in deep communication. It goes beyond the natural. And that is the kind of fellowship God is calling us into. We are told in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his son. So we have been called into fellowship. Look at Jesus. I realize that in the ministry of Jesus, the, the, in fact, the foremost reason why he chose the tour was fellowship. He wanted them to be with him. He wanted to be intimate with them. He wanted people he could mourn in a deep manner with. That's what he was looking for. Look at Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. And he went on on the mountain and called to him those whom he wanted. And they came to him. Look at that, verse 14. Then he appointed 12 that they may be with him, that they might be with him. That's critical. That they might be with him. That word is important. That they might be with him. And then that he might send them out to preach. We must learn to be with God before embarking on any project for God. It's critical. We must learn to be with God. We live in a very hurried generation. We want everything here and now. It must be now or never. It has to be quick fix, fast food, fast everything, fast lane. I mean, all kinds of things. This is a, an impatient generation that wants everything fast. But listen, if you are going to go far with God, one of the things you need to learn is to learn to be patient with God. 
The Bible said, I waited patiently on the Lord, and he inclined his ear unto me, and heard my cry. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. This hurried generation, no matter how, hurry, how much of a hurry you are in, God cannot be fast track. You can fast track a song you are listening. You can fast track your case in court, like we have some fast track courts in Ghana. You can fast track a lot of things. But listen, when it comes to spiritual matters, you cannot fast track God. His timetable is fixed. He said, I am the Lord. As I have purpose, so it shall be. As I have spoken, so it shall stand. That's God. And you need to accept it like that. So it's important. He called them to be with him before. This is a vital principle, particularly for those of us who are in Christian service. Pastors, workers, deacons. It's important that whatever you are doing in the house of God, you always put a great priority on your relationship with God before your responsibility for God. Our relationship with God always, as a matter of priority, our, our, our relationship with God must, must have priority, must always precede our responsibility for God. That's critical. Our relationship with God must always precede our responsibility for God. So what we're simply saying is that true followers are deep. And I can talk about they being deep in many ways. But among many things, true followers are deep in their love for God. They are not shallow. They are deep in their love for God. They are not the people who love God with their mouths and their hearts are far away. They are not people who love God with their mouths and their pocket is not affected. No, true followers of God are deeply in love with God. Their treasure, their heart is with God, and so their treasure is with God. They give, they tithe, they support their church, they advance the kingdom of God in every, uh, with every means that they have. That's an example. One of the examples of true followers, they are deep, they are rooted and grounded in love. They are unshakable in their love for God. Their love is palpable. You can simply see it. You feel it. When you see the way they handle themselves, when you see the way they are committed to God and the things of God, you will see that these are genuine followers of God. And I pray that if your love for God is growing cold in this season, may the grace of God and may the spirit of God revive it and rekindle it in your heart again. In Jesus' precious name. If you believe that, go ahead and type amen. So true followers are deep in their love for God. They are also deep in their followership of God. Peter told Jesus, he said, we have left all to follow you. That's deep. They left all to follow. What have you left? Some of us are struggling leaving some uh, boyfriends who don't know God and they are just demanding sex after sex from you. You are, you are struggling leaving them to follow God. Some of us are struggling leaving money to follow God. Some of us are struggling leaving certain unholy alliances to follow God. Some of us have gotten ourselves trapped with certain demonic uh, soul ties. And so we are struggling, breaking free to follow God. Some of us are literally struggling, living our pursuit of wealth and happiness to follow God. As if when you follow God, you will be bereft of wealth and prosperity. Now, it's important, please appreciate. True followers of God are deep in their followership of God. They are not shallow. They are also deep in their obedience. True followers of God are deep in their obedience. They, they obey God. They obey God and they obey him real hard. They are not joking at all. They obey God. They are deep in spiritual understanding. Remember Jesus was speaking one time and he said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Unto you it is given. But unto others it is not given. They are deep 
they access the deep mysteries of God. I pray that the Holy Spirit will enlighten your eyes. That when you pick up your Bible and begin to read, you will access revelation. You will not be struggling with the letter of the word. But the spirit of the word will envelop your spirit. Even as you settle down to read the word of God. So true followers of God are deep in spiritual understanding. Jesus was speaking the other day, I think in John 15, 15 or so, about his disciples and he told them, he said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Because everything I know, I've showed it to you. And God wants to show you everything he knows. But can he trust you? Because when God shows you something, it puts a responsibility on you. Whatever God tells you puts a responsibility on you. Once God informs you about something, it means he demands you to take an action. But are you willing to take the action? That is what usually limits how much God is able to give unto us. But as we get into this exploration about the fact that true followers of God are deep, there is a certain woman in the scripture who is a quintessential example of a deep follower of God. And today and next week, we want to know a little bit about this woman. She was an ordinary woman. You, I'm sure that you were probably thinking I was going to pick up one of the 12 disciples and let you see how deep they were. But it's rather interesting that among the 12, at a certain point, even their, their, the depth of their relationship came into question. But this particular woman, I've studied the story, and I realized that from the day he, she started, she never went back. She was all out, sold out. From the beginning to the end, she was all out for God. And that is a woman you would like to know. Her name is Mary Magdalene. Now, in the scriptures, there were a number of Marys. We have Mary, the mother of Jesus. We have Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. You remember, Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you have trouble about many things, but your sister has taken it. That is another Mary. We also have Mary, the mother of James. And then we have Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Now, Bible scholars have quite a lot to say about this woman. But I'll share a few thoughts with you. Mary Magdalene came from a city near the Sea of Galilee called Magdala. That's why she's called Mary Magdalene. It's because uh, her name is associated with where she came from. And the city of Magdala was known at the time to be a center of prostitution. It was a place where uh, a lot of harlots traded their business. And so that was it. And this woman obviously was uh, a serious one. Lady of the night. And so that was her background. That is what most uh, Bible scholars believe. You remember uh, in the book of Luke chapter 7, Let's see if we can read that. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 48. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city was a sinner. Please take note. A woman in the city, verse 37. A woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flagrant of oil. So this is a woman. It's believed that this is Mary Magdalene. In fact, some Bible scholars actually believe that she is a woman that was caught in the act of adultery, which the, at the time they wanted to stone, and Jesus intervened and said, go and sin no more. That's what some Bible scholars believe, that she was because of her background of prostitution and all of those things, where she came from and all of that. And we remember also that it was the same woman out of whom Jesus cast out uh, seven demons. 
So, this is Mary Magdalene. This woman begins to follow Jesus and she follows her to the very end. And that's one of the marks of deep followers. Deep followers don't start and stop. No. Once they start following God, they go all out. Once a deep follower joins a church, the person is in the church all the way to the end. They are, they are rooted. They are grounded. They cannot easily be shaken. They are not like a reed that is blown by the wind and toss. No. Mary Magdalene followed Jesus very deeply. Very, very deeply. And as we go ahead, you come to see why she followed Jesus that deeply. I have always wondered why she was... So, because she did crazy things for the Lord. Crazy things. Things only deep followers can do. And one of the reasons, we'll be sharing the reasons with you, but she followed Jesus during his early ministry. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass after that he went through, went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom, out of whom had come seven demons. So you remember, as a woman, Mary Magdalene, out of whom seven demons were cast. This woman was part of the train that followed Jesus. You heard that 12 were there and she was part of the women. Look at that. She followed Jesus during his trial. You remember during the trial of Jesus? The disciples abandoned him. All the disciples were nowhere to be found. Even Peter who was in the crowd, when the lady pointed that he looked like one of them, he said, me? <laughs> you better think again. I don't know him anywhere. Peter, that apostle betrayed and left but Mary Magdalene was still around she was all the way she went all the way through his trial to the cross look at Matthew chapter 27 verse 55 to 56 and many women who followed Jesus from Galilee ministering to him were there looking on from afar they were looking on look at that they were afar but they were looking on among whom were Mary Magdalene can you see that and Mary, mother of James and Joseph, and mother of Zebedee. So, you see, when Jesus was on the cross, when the soldiers would do their things, Mary Magdalene was present there. Look at it again. When Jesus was carried to the graveyard, at that time, I mean, there was, he was of no use to anybody, really, because the man who worked miracles is now dead. He couldn't save himself. The chief told him, you are able to save many things, but you can't save yourself. And he went to the cross. They carried him to the grave. And when they were sending him to the grave, the Bible says, the moment they took Jesus to the grave, Mary Magdalene followed. That's a deep follower. Follows everywhere. You can't be a deep follower without following whoever you are following everywhere. If you are a deep follower, for instance, of this ministry, you are a deep follower of my ministry, wherever I am, I expect that you'll be there. We are on Facebook, you are there. We are on Twitter, you are there. We are on YouTube, you are there. Whatever we are doing, you are involved. That's a deep follower. You see, a fan can claim to know somebody. And sometimes, and that's what it, it is like. Most times, fans have a lot of information about people. He can, if he's a fan of McJordan, he can have a lot of information, but he, he, he may never have met McJordan anywhere at all. So they know about him, but they don't know him. And when we talk about deep followers, we are not talking about people who know about God. We are talking about people who know God. The Bible said the people who do know God, shall be strong and do exploits. Those are the kind of people I pray that you and I will become part of such category of people. 
But this woman followed God. She followed Jesus to the grave. Mark chapter 15, verse 47. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, observed where he was laid. That's it. She was there. 27, verse 61, Matthew. And Mary Magdalene was there. And the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. So at the tomb of Jesus, we are not told Peter was there, we are not told John was there, but Mary was there. What an attitude, what a spirit of a deep follower. Stinking body of Jesus, but Mary was there. Can you identify with your leader in whatever state he's in? When Jesus was alive, the disciples were around. When he died, the disciples could not go to his tombside, his graveside. But this woman, out of love, out of passion, out of great hunger and thirst for the Lord, went all the way there. And you know what? When Jesus resurrected also, Mary was there. In fact, Mary was the first person Jesus addressed after he resurrected from the dead. He never spoke to any human being. Mary was the first person to see Jesus. She was the first person to also hear the voice of Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 16 verse 1 and 2. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene. Do you see that? Mary, the mother of Jesus and Salome, bought spices that they might, they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb. Now let's look at John chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we know not where they have laid him. Now when you read down, let's do verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb weeping and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. Look at verse 12. And there she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus lay. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Did you see? The first person. The first person. And she said to her, and Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? So, now listen, when you go deep with God, you are the, you are the, the foremost beneficiary of it. Nobody gets the profit out of a deeper relationship with God than the person who pursues it. That's why I want to encourage you. Your greatest pursuit must be, it's good to be rich, it's good to be scholarly, it's good to get PhD, but let me tell you, the most important relationship in life is a rich relationship with God. There was a man in the scripture that is described as a rich fool. And he was described as a rich fool because he was rich in everything except in his relationship with God. I ask you tonight, are you rich in your relationship with God? Are you deep in your work with God? Are you shallow or you are deep? Are your feet rooted? Are your feet grounded? Or you are blown by every wind? When your friends come, you follow them. When you feel like going to church, you go to church. When you feel like giving, you give. You are simply living at the mercy of your feelings. That is not a mark of a true disciple. A true disciple is deep their roots are deep, neck deep in the ground. Nothing, no wind at all can blow them. And I pray from tonight that 
as we bring this first session to a close and we prepare ourselves for next week where we'll be looking at the other aspect of this woman and see how we can also learn from her and become people who are deep in our commitment to God. I pray that the grace of God will rest upon you. And if your relationship with God has become shallow, may the spirit of God, the Bible said, the Holy Ghost, the love of God has been shared abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. I pray that the Holy Spirit will share abroad afresh the love of God in your heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus. If you are vacillating, I pray that restoration will be yours. The joy of salvation will be restored to you. But maybe you are also new to the broadcast. Maybe you just happen to be here by chance. And you say, Pastor, I don't even have a relationship with him. Let alone think about getting a deeper walk with him. You are the reason for the broadcast. I want to pray with you. And you want to make a simple prayer of faith in your heart to God. Just confess this after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you today. Admit I'm a sinner. And I call upon your grace. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I confess with my mouth you died for me. I believe with my heart that you rose again for me. Thank you for saving me and making me your own. If you pray that prayer in faith, I want you to believe. Don't doubt it. It's not a matter of feeling. Believe that Christ has taken residence in your heart. And you are now a child of God. You are a candidate for heaven. If you should die today or tomorrow, you are eternally bound for heaven. As long as Christ remains your Lord and Savior. What a privilege, what a joy. We want to help you to see, help you to grow in your walk with God and become all that God will have you become. So send us a message, send us a WhatsApp through the number or the mail. And if there's, there, this broadcast is also a blessing to you beyond the people who have given their lives to Christ. Share your testimony with us. We want to hear what God is doing through this medium, through this broadcast with you, how it's shaping your spiritual life, how it's making you a better person, a better Christian, and positioning you to impart your word better. Pastor Afrakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages, as well as books by Pastor Afrakwa, please call 540 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com get interactive with pastor afuakwa on facebook twitter and instagram you can also visit our website www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information fellowship with us this and every sunday for our celebration services 7 a.m first service 8 30 a.m second service and 10 a.m our third service and on Wednesdays for our discovery service at 6 p.m. at our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanama Ejekuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station Santa's Runabout, Kumasi. God richly bless you.